Hey, nonprofit founders and leaders, change makers and dreamers, are you searching for new ways to be heard amidst the overwhelming noise and confusion of these uncertain times? Giving Heartbeat is the place to make connections and ignite sparks of compassion into forces for good and together turn unsung heroes into everyday superheroes. Conversations with dynamic nonprofit champions from across the planet reveal how they turned passion into action and obstacles into achievements. I'm your host, Donna Valente. Welcome. Over the past three decades, I've met hundreds of incredible nonprofit changemakers from around the world. It's my passion and mission to promote them. This is Giving Heartbeat. Welcome. We'd like to welcome back to the Giving Heartbeat studio, Barbara Kroll Roy, president of Eve's Fund for Native American Health Initiatives. Welcome, Barbara. It's so nice to have you back. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. So last time we were talking a little bit about the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. And would you like to talk a little bit more about that? And then we'll get into some more details about Eve's Fund. Well, for, for, perhaps for your listeners who didn't hear us at the beginning, uh, as we touched on last time, the media attention on the devastating impact of COVID-19 has the impact that it's had on Native people has cast a spotlight on the underlying issues of poverty, social, economic, health, educational disparities and inequities that the Navajo people have endured over a long period of time. So I think nonprofits like Eve's Fund serving the Native American communities are receiving greater exposure and we've been pleased that folks are finding their way to Eve's Fund online and learning of the important work we're doing. And so many young people that we might never have known or heard from before have actually started fundraisers and are do, doing peer-to-peer fundraising on our behalf. So there's, there's been a positive side to it. I think some of the other positive in outcomes of the pandemic, what I'm seeing is that how people have come together, Donna, in solidarity and recognized how many unsung heroes there are, which I know is one of the reasons you're doing these podcasts to highlight some of the people and reinforce the hope that things can get better in this world. Absolutely. One of my heroes was Christopher Reeve. And I remember seeing a picture and a quote of his that has stuck with me. Once we choose hope, anything's possible. And he certainly did that. So we're, we're hopeful during this time that things are going to be better and different than ever before. That's a, that's a wonderful attitude. And that's what I've tried to... Um, hold in my heart too that even in the the darkest times there is hope and especially when people come together and we hear about 
things that people are doing to help each other and not just the hate and violence, but spreading the good and having that ripple effect go out and touch people and motivate people that want to help and and help. You're getting those wonderful donations from people that don't know anything, and then they're finding out about you and your work. And and that's what I want to encourage our listeners to do, is to listen to these stories and be inspired and not only donate, but see how else they can maybe start something of their own or look to join a, an effort that touches their heart. So that's what it's all about. But today, I would like to shed more light on Eve's Fund and um, 60,000 Navajo youth. I mean, that's just an incredible legacy. And uh, I'd like to for you to tell our listeners a little bit more, if you could, um, what motivated you to start for um, to start this particular program? Well, if anybody how- had told me 15 years that I'd be running a nonprofit organization on the Navajo Nation, I wouldn't have believed them. But um, 15 years ago, my beautiful daughter died of an accidental drug and alcohol overdose. And her name was Eve Erin Kroll. And one of the things I say a lot when I talk to groups is that anything can happen to anyone at any time. You just never think it's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And it did. And Eve was, actually, I was thinking about one of the adjectives, and she had a big giving heart. She was a generous person. So I was so pleased that you asked us to be part of this podcast. We knew, her dad and I knew that she would want us to do something important and not let our sadness and grief paralyze us. And her dad was a neurosurgeon and I have been, I'm an RN and a mental health counselor and we both had been in the service field our entire lives. So it's interesting that you mentioned the word uh, inspiring, what inspired us or motivated us. A few months after Eve's death, her dad and I attended a national bereavement conference sponsored by Compassionate Friends, which is a nonprofit organization devoted to helping people through their grieving process. Their motto still is, time has proven that in caring and sharing comes healing. We were both struck that day by one of the bereaving parents, who was one of the speakers, who made the comment, our children are our legacy, but when they die first before us, we have to become their legacy. And I think we were both struck with that idea that we had to do something in Eve's memory. And... uh, Having been in the service field, it seemed, it seemed like something we wanted to do. Now, where the idea got started, our first program was, is called Think First Navajo. It is still our largest program. It's an injury prevention education program. We go out to schools. We teach school children how to avoid preventable injuries. 
And we have a saying, it's not an accident if it could have been prevented. So a lot of times people are in a car crash. Notice we don't call them accidents. And they were texting and driving or they didn't have their seatbelt on or they were in a hurry and they said, I, oh, I had a terrible accident. It wasn't an accident if it could have been prevented. So her dad was familiar with the national organization of Think First and had just been getting ready to um, think about starting a chapter. He had planned to retire in New Mexico and had volunteered his time at an outpatient clinic and saw that the rate of preventable injuries was three to four times higher among the Navajo community than the rest of the country. So he had thought about starting a chapter of Think First Navajo. And to date, we're the only chapter out of about 145 chapters in the U.S. that are focused completely on a federally designated reservation. Wow. So the main purpose is to prevent fatal and disabling injuries through education. The unique part of the program, it's really the heart of the program, is that the education being given to the students is being given by Navajo people who have sustained catastrophic illnesses, catastrophic injuries, and they tell their stories to the kids. And that is what's so powerful. Instead of telling them and lecturing them and telling them what they should do and shouldn't do, when they see the impact of how your life can change in a second, it makes a big difference. That's incredible. And those people would be the VIPs? Yes. This is for injury prevention, is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And as time has gone on, it became a to us that there were many more needs that weren't being addressed and we've, we're still a relatively small organization we've tried not to be everything to everybody but as we've met people and found other organizations we've tried to support them in every way we could mm. we realized there was a huge need to keep kids in high school and we started an Eves Fund scholarship program about about eight years ago. So that's another big program that we manage. And the whole idea is that it's right around 50% of the Navajo kids don't graduate from high school. So keeping kids in high school has been an important part of this, of what we're doing. Wow. So how... How big is the funding base for your organization? Is it a national group of folks? Or? Well, up until really last year, uh, my former husband, Bob, who, as you had mentioned earlier, or the last time we talked, uh, he recently passed away. He and my son had supported us about 50%. So we have been able to say that 50% of our donations, that we've been able to, to match them. And uh -huh. we've kept our overhead very low. We were used to working from home 
long mm-hmm. before the coronavirus. We ah. work out of our own homes. There's no official office. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the the rest of the funding has come from grants that we've applied for. But you know, with a small staff, it's hard. You can't expect to get grants every year for what you do. And I've been very pleased in the as I said in the last couple of years, we've really started to get more donors outside of friends and family. That's been one of the that's been one of the challenges. You can only ask friends and family and former Oops. colleagues so long for donations. So right. in the last couple of years, we've been really um, fortunate to have a broader base of support. But we're totally funded by individuals and a few organizations uh, rather than being. And it's, it's hard work. There are a lot of nonprofits out there, and everybody needs donations. But I feel very positive about where we are and what we're doing. Um, so, so did you run into any challenges along the way of building your nonprofit over the years? Oh yes. Anything that you would like to share with us? Of course. <laughs> um, well, finding people who have been injured was, was a challenge because there's a lot of there's a lot of fear. And that's an important part of our program, too, not just to do the education, but to provide support to disabled people by offering them a job, a chance to get out in the community, and tell their stories. So initially, at one point, we've had five people. But the other thing is, you, you worked, I know you worked in the field working with people with disabilities. It's hard enough and challenging enough to be paralyzed, but adding to that poverty, no reliable transportation, poor accessibility, fewer than, less than, no, more than half of the roads on the Navajo Nation, which is very large, it's the size of New Jersey, of of West Virginia, are not paved. And I only think we've only had one VIP who even had an accessible van. So you can imagine what it takes to wake up in the morning and take care of your daily needs and get to a school that may be an hour away or two hours away to give us a presentation to a group of students. Wow. But we have found them and we just are so lucky. Um, As I said, the other thing was it it took some time for people to realize for the schools, as I said, we go into the community. We don't expect people to come to us. And we drive long distances to get to these schools. We schedule presentations. But at at the beginning, it was hard for busy teachers and principals to realize that in one hour's time, we could maybe teach kids useful 
behaviors that could change their behaviors and possibly save their lives. Mm-hmm. And over time, that has really improved. And as I said earlier, it wasn't so much of an obstacle, but asking friends and families to continuously donate uh, was has been a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to ask for money. <laughs> but, and that's what is the thing that helps propel things forward. So I think the hardest thing about asking for money is asking for money. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Well, I'm I'm hoping that people that are listening to our conversation, Barbara, will be motivated and inspired to learn more about the work of Eve's fund and and support. Do what they can. It's hard enough. I mean this time these these scary and uncertain times. It's difficult for everybody, but especially nonprofits. I mean, it's hard enough when there's so many people competing for your attention and and then throw a worldwide pandemic lockdown on it. And, you know, that it's super hard. Well, I think we all have to be patient and, you know, our lives are going to be different. I'm sure. So what is the what is in your heart for the future for Eve's fund? That's an excellent question. Uh, you mean in terms of needs or well, I'm like you know people say, well, what do you see yourself doing in five years or one year? What it like? What would you consider it to be a success for for what you're doing with Eve's Fund? And I guess like how can listeners help you get there? Well, I think the biggest need right now we've already talked about it's and it's what every nonprofit's going through is trying to plan for an uncertain future to survive mm-hmm. and. Right now, the Navajo people are in survival mode, uh, but they've really done so much to try to stop the spread. I think we can no longer just rely on the generosity of individual donors, however, and Mm -hmm. we've been very fortunate. So one of the things that we would like to do is to identify perhaps some long-standing successful businesses on the Navajo Nation. And maybe we, that's an area where we could grow. There are a number of successful businesses that serve the community. And I'm thinking that hopefully they, maybe they're in a position to give something back to Eve's Fund. But as I said, there, there are a lot of people asking for money these days. But I'm hoping that we can find a, a, a sponsor, if you will, or a, a business to partner with that might see the need. For example, last year we started a new program called Buckle Up Navajo Newborns. And believe it or not, even though it's a we found, we learned that the Department of Transportation 
Highway Safety Division didn't have enough funding. This is within the government, the Navajo government, to buy enough car seats for newborns. We also found some astonishing statistics that only between around 17 to 20 percent buckled up their kids. So we went on this huge campaign and we were successful in getting people to donate enough money that we just, we sent 50, 50 new, brand new infant seats. And our goal is to have every Navajo newborn get a seat. Oh, that's amazing. So I'm would- hoping that I would love to find maybe a car dealership or a business that could include a car seat when they sell their automobiles and trucks to the, to the Navajo people. Something that could be a win-win for everybody. Right. That's a great idea. I love that idea. And I would think that people listening out there, if you're we're thinking of something to support and that's something that touches your heart, car seats for newborns on the Navajo Nation, I mean, get in touch with Eve's Fund and, and support it. It's a that's a wonderful initiative. Thank you. I think also we're we're looking for an ex- a succession plan, and Eve's fund will continue to exist because when Eve's dad Bob developed Alzheimer's, our son and I made a commitment to him that we would continue this important work as long as we could, as long as humanly possible. And we've always said that Eve's fund was Eve's legacy. And now that Bob has passed away, it's become his legacy, too. So mm-hmm. Eve's son will continue. And, however, our injury prevention program, which, as I said, is, it's labor-intensive and it's, it's our largest program, I would like to hope and think about finding a long-term partner to Think First Navajo. And it is the only one of its kind. And I'm, ideally, I'm hoping that perhaps the Navajo Nation itself can inherit this program. And I think that would be a fitting way to have come full circle to have it being taken over or inherited, as if you will. We've we've been very successful with this program. We've won numerous awards for the work we've done. And it's gratifying to know that people appreciate this. And so I would not be opposed to that thinking long-term because I realized, Donna, I'm not going to live forever myself. (laughs) Right. And that's another, you know, that's another reason I wanted to do this podcast because I thought while I'm here, we don't know how long we have. I want to make an impact. I want to help as many people as I can and, Podcasting is a way to, to reach people. I want to say so. something about the children because, as I said, most all of our programs are children, child-based. I think the kids are really suffering right now. They know a lot more about what's going on in the world than anybody realizes, but especially for the children on the Navajo Nation, again, they're living well below the poverty line. Imagine how hard it is to keep washing your hands 
if you don't have running water. And for many of them, school was their outlet, was a place to go. Distance learning, how do you learn? How do you do Zoom when you don't have access to the Internet? So I'm hoping that just continuing our basically outreach through social media and letting people become aware of what's going on will, in the long run, get these kids feeling safer and helping to empower them to get some, their self-esteem back because it's not an easy time out there. Many of them have lost their grandparents, their parents. As I said, young people are dying. You know, at the beginning, everybody thought this was COVID-19 only happened to people over 60. It's a really, really tough time on kids. So I think we all need to be aware of it. Yeah, with, the, with not having access to running water or electricity, I mean, I can't. I can't even imagine, and that's within these United States. It's not in another continent or a third world country. I mean, that's something, I, you know, we need to do something about that. But it's happening. I got a donation from a gentleman and his wife that was matched by his company. And that's another thing. A lot of people who still are working can check and see if their companies will match donations they make. That's a great way because it doesn't cost them anything. And a lot more companies are doing that. Anyway, we got this donation for $2,000. And I try to really contact everybody and ask them how they heard about us. He and his wife went on a tour of the Navajo Nation. And they were so shocked. They had never been there. They knew it was a beautiful place. They went to all of the tourist places, Monument Valley and Canyon de Chez, but they asked their tour guide, is anybody doing anything? This is unbelievable when you see the substandard housing, multi-generational families living together in close quarters. It's easy to see how a virus could spread. Right. And their tour guide gave him the name of our organization, and a few others. And that's how they found their way to us. Wow. And I thought, now that, that makes me feel good. Wow. Yeah, because I would, I would think it would take some time and patience to be able to get into the community and into the nation to do the work. Is that and correct? Yes, and people are busy. And they're just, when you're in survival mode, too, not just not just during this pan time of pandemic, but even before that, um, you can't always think about giving money to buy helmets to encourage kids to use them. Yeah, that's true. One thing that I'd also like to add is it's important when you're serving communities to really understand, I'm the only non-Navajo at the moment. All of our people are Navajo, but it's really important to understand the culture. For example, one of the things we do in our injury prevention presentations is to talk about gun safety. And one of our VIPs was paralyzed from the age of six 
by an uncle who's cleaning a gun in another room. Wow. She has been in a wheelchair for over 56 years now. Wow. How do you teach a child? You can't preach and say, oh, don't have any guns in your home. Because guns are a necessary part of the culture and living out in a remote area. Mm-hmm. And some of these kids are so thrilled when their grandfather teaches them how to use a gun. So we've had to be really sensitive. We can't say guns are bad. We right. have to teach them how to be around them and stay stay safe. Stay, mm-hmm. stay safe. Mm-hmm. Helmets. Right. We try to teach the kids there are other places to wear helmets besides on a bicycle, mm-hmm. on an all-terrain vehicle. But how do you approach a young Navajo child who likes to ride on a horse and convince him or her that it might be a good idea to wear a helmet? So these, these have been challenges, but I think we've been able to be sensitive to the issues and do the best we can. Well, I think your organization has been doing an amazing job and continues to. And I'm hoping that our listeners will be inspired to learn more. And, you know, Barbara, you're, I know a lot more about your organization because I've known you guys for a long time. Um, There's so much more that you're doing too that would take us, you could talk for days. And I just want to encourage our listeners, if you're looking for an organization that is supporting uh, Native Americans and uh, Navajo in particular, uh, this is a wonderful organization to support. It's small. Little to no overhead. They're making such a huge impact on changing um, things in a positive way to to keep people healthy and safe. So I applaud your work. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Is there anything else you would like to tell our listeners about Eve's Fund today? Oh, you've given us so much. I think another thing that's come out of the COVID-19 pandemic that I would like to address, because I know that you it's important to your purpose of the podcast, is realizing how many unsung heroes there are. People are coming out of the woodwork to volunteer, to donate, I read stories every day about kids collecting all kinds of things to take up to the Navajo Nation. Kids in Phoenix, it's a long way. It's about a seven-hour drive. And I just think that we, on a positive note, can celebrate them that, you know, there are some fantastic, wonderful people out there of all ages that are giving their time. And I think that it's being driven by, you know, they don't, they, you can't deal with the news every day, all day. And people right. are turning to new hobbies, volunteering, trying to take care of themselves and their own health. But so another quote 
from Christopher Reeve that I like is a hero is an ordinary individual who finds the strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. So for me, the kids that we serve, the Navajo people have endured so much for so long and they're going to keep doing it and they're the heroes. And then all of the frontline people that are, who are risking their lives yes. and their families' lives to take care of people. Well, thank you for mentioning that. It's a beautiful statement and it's true. And I would like to end in a positive note as well. I mean, that's what we want to celebrate. I mean, there, it's hard enough to turn the TV or the radio or anything on. It's always bad news. And we want to share that although we might be dealing with very difficult and painful subjects, it's people trying to help and um, make a positive difference in the world. And that's where that's where spreading the good happens and um, making unsung heroes into everyday superheroes. There's a, so many of them. So that's what I want this podcast to do is get celebrate that work of people. Thank you for giving. including us. We appreciate oh, it very much. Barbara, that's so wonderful to hear. We're going to wind up now, and I'd like to have you tell us again where we can find out more about Eve's Fund and anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners. Thank you, Donna. It has been such a pleasure to be able to share the story of Eve's Fund on, on your podcast, and I just really wish you the best of luck. This is a great project. Uh, just, we'd love to have people join us on our social media pages, Facebook, it's Eve's Fund on Facebook. We're also on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel, Eve's Fun YouTube channel, where uh, your listeners could uh, hear the stories of our injured Navajo folks who go out into the schools on the Navajo Nation and teach kids how to stay safe and prevent injuries. We also have a video of our scholarship students, and they'll be able to hear some Navajo language and how grateful, how important this scholarship has been to these kids' lives and to the lives of their families. And of course, it's nice if people want to take a visit to our website, and it, which is easefund.org, and sign up for our, our newsletters. We try not to bombard people with emails. We're all overwhelmed these days. Mm -hmm. So we send out a newsletter about every six weeks. Great. And then to get to know Eve a little bit and her story, um, my precious daughter, we have a memorial website in her name called evecroll.com. So people could take a look and could see what I looked like about 40 years ago or 50 mm. years ago. Again, Donna, thank you so much. Uh, just being able to do this and share this with you has touched my heart. And I hope that your listeners hearing the stories about nonprofits and the challenges will have their hearts touched as well. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you, Barbara. Take good care. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of Giving Heartbeat, where we make unsung heroes into everyday superheroes. Please be my hero and subscribe, download, rate, and review 
and tell all your friends. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Naomi Charney for my beautiful cover art. Thanks to Chris Hogan for his theme music, Pure Magic, and to audio engineer extraordinaire Don Sternacker at Mixolydian Studios. Please take action today to support nonprofits that connect with your passion. Be the change you want to see in the world. Until next time, the beat goes on. This is Donna Valente. Peace out. <laughs>